Which company would you rather own today? Blockbuster or Netflix? How about Barnes & Noble or Amazon? Well, these are easy questions because you already know the answer. We already know who won. But if we were to roll the clock back, say, 20 years, this question would have been a lot harder to answer, wouldn't it? Hey, it's Peter Harmon, the Food Guru, here with your weekly pep talk. My goal is to teach restaurant owners, managers, and chefs just like you to focus on eight basic fundamentals that lead to a better life and financial freedom. Today is Monday, March 1st of 2021. This is episode number 115 of Build a Better Restaurant podcast. It's called Marketing Myopia. Myopia is a medical term for nearsightedness. In business, the term myopia is used to describe a person or a company that suffers from a lack of imagination or intellectual foresight. A person with a myopic view is considered narrow-minded and uncreative. Myopic people tend to be focused only on what is right in front of them, and that means they miss the broader scope, the big picture. This brings us to thing number one, Theodore Levitt. Theodore Levitt was a professor at the Harvard Business School during the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and he was also the editor of the Harvard Business Review from 85 to 89. In 1960, Ted wrote a paper called Marketing Myopia. The big question that he challenges to answer is, what business are you in? Levitt provoked marketers to think beyond the product, to focus on the needs and the wants of the customers, not just themselves. He said that most companies and managers and marketers are focused on the product, but they should switch their focus to the needs of the customer and expand that thinking beyond the here and now to see the big picture of your business. Remember, this was 1960. Levitt was a true visionary. Levitt said companies should stop defining themselves by what they produced and instead reorient themselves toward customer needs. Here are five examples of Levitt's thinking. Example number one, Levitt famously said, People don't want a quarter-inch drill bit. They want quarter-inch holes. Nobody really wants to buy a drill. They just want the holes. They want what the drill can do. They want the benefit. And I would add, we don't just want the holes. We want to hang a shelf so we can display our stuff. So we want to declutter our space and our lives and be free to think and do in a more efficient and effective manner. Example number two, long-term relationships. Levitt said, relationships between a seller and a buyer does not end when a sale is made. The relationship often intensifies after the sale. The sale then merely consummates the courtship at which point the marriage begins. And how good the marriage is depends on how well the seller manages the relationship with the customer. Such dynamics are found with services and products that we buy over and over again. It's like our relationship with our grocery company or our produce guy. I also want to add this. In regards to relationships with our customers, humans have to eat three times every day. And as restaurant owners, we need to see ourselves as partners in this ongoing process. The question we need to ask is, how can our products become part of our customers' daily lives, 
not just on special occasions. Okay, example number three of Levitt. He said that creativity is thinking up new things, but innovation is doing new things. What is lacking is not creativity in the idea-creating sense, but innovation in the action-producing sense. And another way to say that is, coming up with the ideas is one thing, but putting them to work is another. Okay, example number four is the railroads. In 1960, Levitt wrote that the railroads did not stop growing because the need for passenger and freight transportation declined. See, actually, that grew. The railroads were in trouble because they lost market share to cars, trucks, airplanes, and even telephones. Levitt said the problem was that the railroads let other businesses take their customers away from them because they assumed themselves to be in the railroad business rather than in the transportation business. And the reason they defined the industry incorrectly was that they were in the railroad-oriented business instead of the transportation oriented business. They were product oriented instead of customer oriented. Example number five is the oil industry. Levitt said the oil industry has been so successful selling oil they refused to see what's coming. Big oil had the opportunity to get into solar and wind and nuclear energy, but they only saw themselves as oil people, not energy people. Okay, so this brings us to thing two. Blockbuster versus Netflix. In the 1990s, Blockbuster ruled the home movie world. If you wanted to watch a movie at home, you had two options. Watch it on TV when it played in real time with commercials and no pause or rewind function, right? Or rent it from Blockbuster. Blockbuster was in the movie rental business. Then along came Netflix. Netflix was originally a rent-by-mail DVD service that used a pay-per-movie rental model. Users would order the films they wanted on the website, and Netflix would mail the movie to your door. And after the renter had finished with the DVDs, they would mail them back to Netflix. But before long, Netflix switched to a subscriber-based model where the users could pay a monthly fee and keep the DVDs as long as they liked. But they could only get a new movie after they returned the existing one. And then, in 2007, Netflix did something unimaginable. They became a streaming service. And we no longer needed to send things through the mail back and forth. They changed the way the world watched TV. For a monthly fee, we could stream as much as we wanted. Wow. And then, in 2012, Netflix produced House of Cards, a TV series. And they put the entire first season up at one time. And this gave us the ability to watch the entire season at one time or at whatever speed we wanted. And binge-watching TV shows became a thing. Wow. Netflix mail order rental model was a direct challenge to rental giants like Blockbuster. In fact, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010. But that should have never happened. In the year 2000, Netflix CEO and co-founder Reed Hastings went to Blockbuster and tried to form a partnership. And their CEO just smiled at him and laughed at him. Wow. Blockbuster even had a chance to purchase Netflix later for $50 million, and they said no. And as of today, 
Netflix is currently worth over $200 billion. And Blockbuster is out of business. Ouch. I believe even if Blockbuster would have bought Netflix, they wouldn't have brought it to where it is today because they didn't have the vision or the passion. The Blockbuster management had a myopic view. Now, here's an interesting question. What's the future of Netflix? See, Amazon's in the streaming business. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get a free subscription. And you can watch whatever you want on Amazon. It's going to be interesting to see what Netflix does next. History is filled with stories of once mighty companies that had a myopic view and got killed by a small and agile new company. It could be your company. Okay, and this brings us to thing number three. Restaurant thoughts from me, the food guru. Okay, so what about your restaurant and your company? What business are you in? What business do you think you're in and what business should you be in? What's threatening you and your business? Or maybe a better way to say that is what does the restaurant industry want to kill? What is our industry fighting against? Okay, here's one. It's the $15 minimum wage. Our industry is at, wage, at war with the minimum wage. And I say, why not embrace it? Why not become a leading industry of the future? Okay, now before you get all fired up, just think about that for a minute. One of our biggest problems is we can't find qualified help. And we want to keep wages low. I mean, it's crazy. We can't have both low wages and the best people the market has to offer. It just doesn't work that way. People need to earn a good living and have a job they're proud of and a career they're proud of. And we, as restaurant owners, need to make a little bit of real money too, don't we? The problem is our business model is broken and it needs to be reinvented. Why not embrace the opportunity? The restaurant industry has a reputation as an industry for losers or the undereducated or just short-term employment while people are waiting for their real jobs to come along. Why not make our industry the industry to be in? We need to reimagine our business model. We need to think big. So the question is, how can we use this information and this opportunity to reimagine our business? Here's another thought. Why is going out to lunch cheaper than going out to dinner? Like three times less expensive. People only want to spend, say, six to 12 bucks for lunch, but they'll pay double or triple that for dinner. Why? Okay, here's another one. There are two ways to look at food. Number one, as a celebration of life with, you know, having fun and cocktails and friends and all that kind of stuff. And the second one is as fuel. Look at food as fuel. How about this? The truth is that America is fat as shit. We're eating too much of the wrong fuel. We need to replace the bad stuff that we eat with good stuff that we should eat. Here's a fun term for you, garbage mouthing. This is when we just cruise around mindlessly stuffing things in our mouths. You know, like junk food or bacon or cookies. But here's the problem. Where can I get good, smart food? Think about going on a trip and you go to the airport. They have endless chain restaurants all selling food that's not very healthy or good for us or enlightened. And the reason they do that is that 95% of people will eat garbage, cheap, fast garbage. But what if 
there was an alternative? What if there was a better way? The question we need to ask is, what business are we in? Personally, I think we're in the food business and the entertainment business and the relationship business and the health business. I mean, think about it. We are what we eat. How can we avoid being the railroad or blockbuster? I think we need to realize our customers need to eat three times a day. And people need to celebrate life with their friends and loved ones frequently. And people need good, fresh, wholesome, nutritious food. How can we do that better? Let's take a deeper look. Today, we have many different types of food service establishments. We have two types of sit-down restaurants, full service and fine dining. Now, full service means they have servers who go to the table and take the order. Today, that server is being replaced with an iPad or a kiosk and food runners. But technology is what made this happen, and I'm glad it did. Next, we have fine dining. This is fancy full service with a professional waiter who knows their stuff. This is a more formal experience. It's dining, not just eating out. And I truly hope this stays around. And I say, if you're in the fine dining business, be in the fine dining business. You really got to pour it on if you want to stay. I predict that this segment is going to shrink drastically in the next decade for two reasons. Number one, there's not enough great talent to go around with the professional waiters, bartenders, and great cooks. Two, it's expensive and not enough people are willing to pay the money for that. Okay, the fine dining restaurants that do survive will have to become great at service and delivering a first-class dining experience. And if you can't do that, then you and the customer would be way better off with an iPad or a kiosk. Okay, then we have quick serve fast food and convenient food. This has been the fastest growing segment in the food industry. These are usually small places with small menus and a small focus. Good or okay food, pretty fast. This segment needs a real healthy option. And I believe this is where the real opportunity is. Okay, then we got the grocery store. Okay, we go shopping for the week, we buy food, we take it home, we fix it. But in the past decade, this has really changed. The grocery store has gained a huge share of the dining out and the take home dollar. Grocery stores are big into hot and cold prepared meals to go, like Chinese, Italian, and even sushi. And some of them are doing a great job at it. I say, keep your eye on Whole Foods. Remember, Amazon just bought them, and Amazon is really, really smart. In the good old days, mom used to stay home and cook dinner every night. She went to the grocery store, she bought groceries and cooked for the family. Today, that rarely happens. Because in the 1970s, mom went back to work and this started a new trend called home meal replacement. Today, America lives on food to go, fast food and takeout. And then last year, when COVID-19 hit, it completely changed the way we eat again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a new day. Takeout is forever. The real takeout craze is about to start. I believe people will still go out to eat in full-service restaurants maybe two or three times a week. And they're going to cook at home maybe one time a week, like Sunday family meal. But that leaves a lot of opportunity for you if you're in the right place. You see, most Americans don't want to cook anymore. 
We don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill. We want to sit on the couch and watch TV. We want our food to magically show up at the door hot and fresh when we want it. I see the need for a whole new type of food service business, not just a full-service restaurant that does some takeout. I'm talking about a food establishment that does one thing, takeout, and they do it really, really well. A restaurant that serves the specific needs of the person who wants to eat at home. This must be more than just an extension of the dining room. If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. You got to go all in. See, this is there's one more type of establishment I want to talk about. Ghost kitchens. People love this one because it sounds ominous. Ooh, it's the ghost kitchen. I love it. Here's what it is. You build a central kitchen and you run several restaurants out of that kitchen. And the customer never comes to the building or the restaurant or the kitchen because it's a 100% delivery model. There's no dining room. It's all done over the phone and the internet. It's designed to do one thing, deliver great food. Now, I want to finish with a little more wisdom from Theodore Levitt. Theodore also said, nobody wants to go to the gas station to fill up their cars with gas. It's not fun. It's a chore. It's an annoyance, but we have to do it. And there's no way to make it cool or make it fun. At best, we can only make it less annoying, but it'll never be fun. It's like the drill bit. We don't want the drill. We just want the hole. We don't want the gas. We want the ability to keep driving our cars forward. And I say, if we dig a little deeper, we realize most people don't want to cook at home. It's a hassle. And then you got to clean up. Most of the time, it's a chore we would like to get away from. And that's where you come in. You have the opportunity to make a life a little less annoying for your customers. It's a win-win deal. Most people want to eat dinner and binge watch Netflix at the same time, don't they? Okay, here's my point. Another important point. So pay attention. Why do we eat? Why do humans eat? Energy. We need energy. We need healthy food. So why are we all selling crap? I'm serious. Think about the bread at Subway. It's about as healthy as a donut. And it turns out that the food at McDonald's isn't really that good for us either. And some of the food that you are feeding your customers and their families and your families is just not that good, is it? There is a better way, and your job is to find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. The future has just arrived. It's time to adapt. The question is, what business are you in? And what business should you be in? This week, your homework assignment is to think of creative new ways that you can serve your customers better. How can you serve better, cleaner, more nutritious food? I mean, after all, isn't this really the business we should be in? And not just for the marketing advantage that it would create, but because it's the right thing to do? My name is Peter Harmon. I am the food guru. My goal is to start a restaurant revolution where every restaurant owner and manager and chef who joins us has the knowledge and information they need to reimagine their restaurant so you can create financial freedom and live the life of your dreams. I am your strategic 
thinking partner, I want to help you reimagine your restaurant. If you're looking to move the ball forward and build a better restaurant, come to foodguru.com to get started. When the student is ready, the food guru will appear. Thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.